Tracy Sable tonight on EWTN News Nightly, flooding the streets. You must stop this war on Gaza. Ceasefire now, please. Thousands gather in the nation's capital calling for the Biden administration to end U.S. aid in Israel. We have the latest. Blinken Blitz. The U.S. Secretary of State wraps up his surprise diplomatic Middle East tour as he pushes for a pause in the Israel-Hamas war. Under scrutiny, Senate Democrats go after the new House Speaker Mike Johnson's pro-life and Christian record. We have congressional reaction, plus faith in action. The Knights of Columbus celebrate one million coats donated to kids. We're joined by Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly. These stories add more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us. Our top story tonight, 10,022. That is the number of people killed in Gaza since Israel launched its military offensive almost a month ago. That is according to the Hamas-run health ministry. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres issued a dire warning today, saying Gaza is, quote, becoming a graveyard for children. He added the case for a humanitarian ceasefire becomes more urgent with every passing hour. This as Israeli airstrikes intensify. The Israeli military reports it hit 450 Hamas targets in the past 24 hours. These are some of the most intense airstrikes so far. A military spokesman also said forces have completed the encirclement of Gaza, cutting the territory in half and isolating Gaza City. While the situation in Gaza was the focus of a phone call between Pope Francis and Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi, the two discussed ensuring humanitarian aid and pursuing a ceasefire. The Vatican spokesman confirmed the call took place at Raisi's request. Our President Joe Biden discussed the latest developments in Israel and Gaza when he spoke today with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Meanwhile, Secretary of State Antony Blinken visited the Middle East, trying to keep the conflict from spreading and set the conditions for a durable, sustainable, lasting peace for Israelis and Palestinians. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen? Tracy, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken wrapped up his Mideast tour after days of intense diplomacy. He's been pushing for a pause in the fighting between Israel and Hamas. Israel rejects any pause. And Arab and Muslim nations are instead demanding an immediate ceasefire. Now, before leaving Turkey, Blinken said, it's all a work in progress. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken addresses the Mideast crisis during his diplomatic trip to Turkey. We've also had very important conversations throughout this trip uh, with countries in the region on the role that everyone can play in making sure that the conflict doesn't expand, doesn't spread to other countries. And, of course, we remain very focused on the hostages held by Hamas, including Americans. And the secretary spoke about the push to provide more aid to civilians caught in the crossfire. And, of course, we discussed uh, the crisis in Gaza, uh, and including the, the efforts to significantly expand humanitarian assistance. Uh, to people in need. Secretary Blinken met with Turkey's foreign minister today after an unannounced trip to visit U.S. troops in Iraq this past weekend. He also sat down again with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas on Sunday. <laughs> Meanwhile, today outside the White House, crews cleaning up vandalism after large protests over the weekend. 
thousands marching through D.C. streets demanding to free Palestine and that President Biden call for a ceasefire. Some protesters even attempted to climb the White House gate and fence. President Biden did not mention the Mideast this afternoon when he spoke in Delaware. Instead, he announced $16 billion to improve passenger rail service in the Northeast Corridor. All to build the Northeast Corridor from Boston to Washington. It's part of my agenda to invest in America, and I've been fighting for this for a long time. Also tonight, in the race for the White House in 2024, according to a New York Times-Siena College poll, former President Donald Trump is beating President Biden in several key battleground states. In fact, in one category, respondents said they felt Trump would do a better job than the current president handling the war between Israel and Hamas. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. While Israel-Hamas war has been sparking tension on college campuses nationwide and contributing to an increase in anti-Semitic threats and violence. Most recently, at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, where a student was arrested for allegedly punching a Jewish student Friday at a vigil for the hostages taken by Hamas. And joining us to discuss this and more is Dr. Robert George, director of the James Madison Program in American Ideals and Institutions at Princeton University. Dr. George, thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. Uh, that incident that I mentioned at My UMass pleasure. Amherst certainly isn't the only one. As you know, a student at Cornell was recently arrested and now faces federal charges in connection with violent online posts aimed at Jewish students. Uh, Dr. George, how did we get here? I mean, colleges are supposed to be safe places for intellectual conversation and, and debate, not places of violence and hate. Well, yes, it's uh, very disappointing to me to see how widespread uh, anti-Semitism, hostility to Jews, hostility to Jewish students is on university campuses uh, around the country. Uh, I want to commend the Franciscan University of Steubenville. It took an extraordinary step. Its president published an open letter in which he said to Jewish students at other universities around the country, you are welcome here at Steubenville. If you uh, are not feeling safe at your own university, we will suspend our normal transfer rules to give you an opportunity to transfer to Steubenville. That's the kind of outreach, especially in the Catholic community, that I really want to uh, want to commend. We need to all recognize that there's a problem here for our Jewish brothers and sisters. They are being targeted. Uh, the hate is uh, something I did not think that I would live to see uh, here in the United States, especially on college campuses. But it's a reality, and we have to do everything we can to stand up for our elder brothers in faith. Yeah, and what are you seeing on your campus at Princeton? Well, it has not been as bad as it has been at some places, but we have had uh, what can only be described as uh, some pro-Hamas uh, demonstrations or demonstrators, uh, some chanting slogans that cannot but be interpreted as anti-Semitic slogans, slogans that seem to be uh, directed at the idea that there should be no Jewish presence, certainly no Jewish state uh, in the in the Middle East, that uh, that Jews should be driven out. Uh, this is unacceptable. Uh, we need to combat it. We need to respect people's freedom of speech. That's for sure. Uh, I will stand up for the right of people to say things that I find abominable uh, on our campus. But we need to use our own right to free speech uh, to fight back and to stand up for the dignity of each and every member of the human family. Muslims, yes. Jews too, uh, everybody. Uh, we need to speak out against the hateful rhetoric that we're uh, that we're seeing on our campuses now. It's a disgrace. Yeah, we have probably about thirty seconds left or so, Dr. George. But any final thoughts before I let you go? 
Well, yes, uh, it's not enough simply to be against anti-Semitism. I especially want to say to my fellow Catholics, we need to be vocal in speaking out. At the Easter at the Easter liturgy in the Catholic Church, we recognize the Jewish people as first to hear the word of God. As Pope John Paul II constantly reiterated, uh, the Jewish people are, are our elder brothers in faith. Now, we, we need to be speaking up for the rights of anybody who's under attack, anybody who's under unjust assault. But especially given the sad history of anti-Jewish sentiment in the Christian uh, world, we need to be in the forefront this time of speaking up in defense of Jews who are being targeted for their faith and for their heritage. Dr. George, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. In Ukraine, the regional governor of Kyrgyzstan says that Russian forces launched multiple attacks on the city during the night. The attack injured at least one person. One man said the blast was so powerful, his entire house shook and the ceiling shattered. This as another attack in Odessa injured at least eight people and damaged a historic art museum. Well, as Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson settles in, Senate Democrats made clear that they will not back down or even compromise on abortion. They claim Johnson's past pro-life record is poisoning the Speaker's ability to lead the House. But Republicans see a strong advocate for the unborn. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales reports. Eric? Well, good evening, Tracy. You know, since I've been covering Capitol Hill, I've attended briefings which cover lawmakers' views on particular topics like immigration or government spending. But I've never attended a briefing or seen one in which lawmaker is attacked and ridiculed for their pro-life views. But that's exactly what happened. Several pro-abortion women Democrats, senators, held a news conference claiming that Speaker Mike Johnson is obsessed with banning abortion nationwide. They even mocked his Judeo-Christian religious beliefs. And I was astounded in his first speech as Speaker. He said, God ordained us to be here. So separation of church and state out the window with this guy. The new speaker has time and again supported legislation that would ban abortion and would jail doctors for providing care to their patients. Not on our watch will a next generation of women, young women, young families, uh, have fewer rights than the generations before them. But Republicans tell me they admire Speaker Johnson's Christian values, especially when it comes to protecting the rights of the unborn. And Mike Johnson embodies those. Uh, and he is the, now the Speaker of the House. I think he's going to always follow the rule of the law. He's going to defend the sanctity of life. He's going to defend the Hyde Amendment. I think it is incredible that we do have a pro-life speaker. But I think we also need to be educating America that it is life. We love our life. And um, we'll just continue to push that message as far and wide as we can. Both the House and Senate are working on government funding bills for next year. For over 40 years with the Hyde Amendment, lawmakers have included language banning taxpayer dollars from funding abortions. Democrats drew a line in the sand. Senate Democrats are going to continue to be a firewall against any new Republican attempts to restrict access to abortion. That means absolutely no new anti-abortion laws, restrictions, or riders will fly here in the Senate. Absolutely not. 
Republicans tell me that Democrats will not be able to remove those pro-life protections in the final versions of the bills. However, GOP senators tell me that they are discouraging Speaker Johnson from trying to pass any pro-life legislation before the 2024 election, fearing that it could impact the GOP's chances of regaining the majority. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN News Nightly. Our former President Donald Trump testified in a New York courtroom today as part of his civil fraud trial. The question centered on whether the former president and his company inflated property values in the pursuit of business deals and loans in the courtroom. The former president described the trial as a witch hunt and said that New York Attorney General Letitia James should be ashamed of herself. The attorney general said outside of the courtroom that the facts and the numbers don't lie. All voters head to the polls tomorrow for off-year elections. Ohio is holding a crucial vote on issue one. Ohio's Republican Governor Mike DeWine told EWTN's The World Over with Raymond Arroyo the ballot measure would overrule the state's ban on partial birth abortion. It would say that an abortion could occur in the state of Ohio at any time uh, right up to birth. Our pro-life activists have been working to counteract pro-abortion advocates in the state so the measure doesn't pass. Other states where abortion is on the ballot include Kentucky and Mississippi's gubernatorial races. And we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including Brooklyn backlash. A Brooklyn Parish is under fire after the production of a controversial music video. We'll tell you more. And a soldier and religious sister shares her unique perspective on on the war in the Middle East. Thanks for staying with us. Tomorrow marks one month since the Hamas terrorist group attacked Israel, resulting in more than 1,300 deaths. As we continue our ongoing coverage of the Israel-Hamas war, we are joined by a guest who brings a unique Catholic perspective as a soldier, a surgeon, and a religious sister. Sister Dee Dee Byrne was stationed with the U.S. Army on the Sinai Peninsula and has been on several missions to Israel for the past 25 years. She retired from the U.S. Army with the rank of colonel and is double board certified in family medicine and general surgery. After a life of medical and military service, she was ultimately led to the little workers of the Sacred Hearts community. And Sister Dee Dee Byrne joins us now. Sister, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Tracy. You know, most of us are, are, are far removed from the Israel-Hamas war, yet I know you know this region very well. Curious, what was your reaction when you first learned what was happening in the Holy Land? I think the same as everyone else, shock and, and disappointment and sadness. Um, just thinking of all the innocent lives that have been taken, but it's been going on for centuries and centuries. Um, in, in ebbs and flows. So it was shocking, to be honest with you. Yeah. Sister Didi, I was going to ask you about that. You know, for mm -hmm. those of us who've never lived over there or been to that region, um, you know, it's hard for us to grasp. Can you shed some light on the situation over there? You know, what it's what life is really like over there that leads to these tensions and violence? I think I just talked to a friend who's from Jerusalem and he's, his family's up in the Sea of Galilee and life goes on there. They're okay. It's predominantly the people near Gaza and uh, in the bigger cities in the north, um, I think the northwest side of the of the country. Um, so everyone's in fear. And I would say um, 
that the majority of people, 99.9% of both Palestinians, both Arabs and Christians, as well as the Israelis, um, are beautiful people, wonderful people. And it's that very small satanic group that just hates, loves hate. And I think that, you know, all the people that I've met in my mission work, uh, predominantly the Palestinians in the, in, when I worked in, in the West Bank area, um, they're beautiful people. They're just wonderful. They want what we want. They want to have a family. They want to have a life. They want to just be, feel, feel free. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that'll ever happen until everyone grasps the Lord Jesus Christ. We will never have peace in that land until everyone sees and hears the good news of Jesus. Um, so that's why our Franciscan brothers are doing such great work. We have many religious orders and communities, both Orthodox, uh, Catholic, and Protestants that are there to try to bring the good news to all these people, both the Palestinian, Arab, uh, Muslims, and Christians, as well as the Jews. Sister Didi, we have about 30 seconds left, and mm -hmm. I, I want to ask you this quickly before we go. Um, it is National Vocation Awareness Week, as you know, and you have such a fascinating vocation journey. Do you have any words of advice for a young man or woman who is maybe discerning the religious life? Absolutely. Um, spend as much time as you can discerning in front of the Blessed Sacrament. As our founder, who's now blessed, Francesca Maria Greco, said, it was before the most blessed sacrament that I found the love of Jesus and the power of that love. And if, they can, if we can empty our own wishes and open our hearts to whatever God is calling you to, whether it's religious life or married life, he will answer those and bring our lady to our blessed mother. So pray that rosary. It's the real deal. And spend time before the most blessed sacrament. He will guide us to where he's calling you and where he needs us most. Sister Didi, thank you so much for your insights and for coming on. We appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you, Tracy. God bless you. A Brooklyn pastor no longer has oversight over a parish where a pop star was shooting a controversial music video. Brooklyn Bishop Robert Brennan celebrated a mass of reparation at the Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Church. The diocese says the bishop restored the sanctity of the church and repaired the harm. This following pop star Sabrina Carpenter's music video showing her dancing provocatively around the altar. Well, up next on EWTN News Nightly, a moment of joy. Pope Francis meets with children from around the world ready to learn something new. Plus, coats for kids. The Knights of Columbus celebrate a major milestone in their charity program. Welcome back. Pope Francis welcomed children from around the world to the Vatican's Paul VI Hall today to share a few moments of joy and reflection during a meeting called Let's Learn from Boys and Girls. EWTN Vatican journalist Benjamin Crockett has more. It wasn't your typical day at the Vatican. Seven thousand children and one rapper filled the Paul VI audience hall. The Children Meet the Pope event drew kids from 84 countries. It accompanied the publication of the Children's Encyclical, with the Holy Father writing in the preface, Dear children, 
I embrace you and know that your Pope and Grandfather will do everything so that you may live in a more beautiful and good world. During the meeting, the Pope underlined that children are always able to teach something. But aren't children the ones who have to learn? Yes, of course. And yes, it is so. There is a need to learn from you. I am always happy when I meet you, because you teach me something new every time. In his address, the Holy Father spoke about war and all of the children who are victims of conflicts around the world. Children must not have weapons in their hands. They must have toys, books, notebooks, and many other good and beautiful things, but not weapons. And to all the children who are suffering, I would like to say, together with you, that they are not alone, that we carry them in our hearts. During the meeting, 14 children asked the Holy Father questions focusing largely on the climate crisis, an ever-present topic for the Pope, who urged children to care for creation. You must understand that to destroy the earth is to destroy ourselves. We must care for the earth. In Rome, Benjamin Crockett, EWTN News Nightly. And finally tonight, the Knights of Columbus celebrate a milestone today, donating its one millionth coat through their Coats for Kids program. It was made possible by a special event earlier today in Colorado with a distribution of nearly 1,000 new coats to underprivileged children in five Denver Catholic schools. It comes alongside a donation of $50,000 to those five schools. This year alone, more than 1,500 Knights Councils will hand over over 200,000 coats. Joining us now from Denver, Colorado, is Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly. Supreme Knight Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. Great to be with you today. So tell us more about what's happening today in Denver. Big news. So, hi, Tracy. We're here at Annunciation Catholic School, and it's a very big day for us because we gave out our one millionth coat in the Knights of Columbus Coats for Kids program. So we had some, we had the whole school here, and we were giving out coats, and we gave out our one millionth coat to this fabulous little girl. Um, and uh, it's just been a, it's been a great morning. That's wonderful. And for those who aren't familiar, um, can you talk to us more about the Codes for Kids program, its goal, and also how it fits in line with the Knights of Columbus founder, Blessed Michael McGivney's mission of charity? Yeah, so the Codes for Kids program, we started it 14 years ago, and uh, it really is, it provides the gift of warmth to children in the coldest months. And it really is in keeping with who the Knights are. I mean, we since our very beginning with, with Father Michael McGivney, we were in service to the family. And so it's very much in keeping with our founding vision of serving the family and our founding mission of charity. So that's, so that's why we're, we're here today in Denver. And I would say we are seeing an increased uh, need for coats this year. I mean, we, we're anticipating this year giving out 200,000 coats which is which is an increase for us, and I think the need is is very great uh, this year, especially. Yeah, and and so many of us take something 
like a coat for granted, right? So simple, but there are so many who need that. And as we know, as Christians, um, we're all called to partake in these corporal works of mercy. Can you remind us about the importance of spiritual works of mercy? Yeah, well, I think I think the two are tied together, right? The spiritual works of mercy and the corporal works of mercy. Mercy. I mean, charity. Charity really is is part and parcel of who Christ calls us to be. And I think you know today with the the families here that that we served, I was talking to some of the teachers and some of the the, the people here at the school, and they were telling me just the tremendous need that these families have here because. Very, very low income families, and the coat uh, is really an essential thing. So, we can help take the burden off the parents by providing that coat uh, to, the, to, to the children. Yeah. Can you talk to us about, I mean, what has been the reaction to those receiving these coats? What have they said? Well, they're so. I mean, they're so happy. They're so. They're so joyful. They're so happy. Uh, and the millionth coat that we gave, we gave it to this wonderful little girl, and she was. She was just a star. I mean, she was so happy to have the coat. I, the coat that we gave her was a golden coat, and we said we gave it to her because she has a heart of gold. Oh. So she was just so happy. But all the kids are really, really happy to to get these coats and uh, to get a new coat. Right? A new coat is is uh, is is a big thing, and that's really. That's really what they need. Yeah, it's so wonderful. Um, before I let you go, where can folks go to find more information uh, about the Coats for Kids program and if they want to help and donate? How can they do so? Yeah, so if you want to help us with our Coats for Kids program, go to kfc.org, kfc.org, Coats for Kids, and you can donate there to help give a coat to a needy kid. And all of your donations, 100%, go to the coat. There's no overhead administration at all. So if you want to if you want to help children this winter, go to kfc.org. Yeah, it's so important. Thank you so much, Supreme Knight Kelly, for coming on. We really appreciate it. God bless you. Okay, Tracy, great to be with you. And we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook X and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.